0: Uh, Good morning, Winners Church. Good to see all of you. I can't really see you, but it's good to be here with you. I love you guys. I cannot wait for us to get back together and have our in-person services. This pandemic is almost over. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Um, And so I'm looking forward to that time. We're just seeking God about what our next steps are, where our next step is. And so let's just continue to pray and uh, be patient, speak life over when it's church, and that our best days are still ahead. The best is yet to come. Good things are coming. coming you know, God is leading us. The Holy Spirit is guiding us. All that stuff. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, let's get into this word. Um, today, I'm going to talk to you about identity. Identity. One of the most critical and crucial things in your life is understanding your identity. The Bible says that we should get wisdom. And with all our getting, we should get what? Understanding. And one of the things that we need to understand is our, our, our identity. One of my assignments from heaven is to teach and to preach about identity. I've known that for a long time, but it came more Uh, emboldened in my life when an angel appeared to me in a dream and told me that. And so I'm excited about teaching this. We'll go as long as the Holy Spirit guides us in this realm. So let's just get out our notes and take some notes. The first thing I want to say to you is this. Understanding your identity will make you strong in spirit. God does not want his children to be weak at all. The Bible says that we are called and commanded to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But there's no way on God's green earth, no way in the kingdom of God that you can be strong in spirit if you don't understand, if you don't know, if you don't perceive, if you don't have clear view of who you are in Christ Jesus. That's what makes you strong. Amen. And so... Let's look at Luke 2.40. Jesus has just, uh, as a child, as a baby, been presented in the temple, and now the Bible is fast-forwarding to him being 12 years old. And look what it says. And it says, and the child grew, this is when he was a baby, and became strong in spirit. What? Strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I know you want to be spiritually strong. I know you want to be strong in spirit. And that only happens when you understand who you are. So now, watch this. Jesus was 12 years old, and his parents went to um, the feast of the Passover in Jerusalem. They lived in Galilee. You know that. And they traveled there every year for the feast. You know, our Easter, their Passover. Okay. And so, um, they're there. They're having a good time. And then... After the feast is over, they leave. They jet with their family, their equipment, this whole bunch of them, you know, caravan of people. And um, while they're traveling, the Bible says for one entire day, they don't see Jesus. But back at that time, can't do that today. In that culture, your kid could be with a relative, it could be with an acquaintance, a friend, a neighbor, whoever, traveling. And, and, and it wasn't a big deal. But they started realizing we don't see Jesus, our 12-year-old, our kid. Where is he? And the Bible says that they checked with the relatives and acquaintances. They're like, he's not with us. And so they journey back to Jerusalem where Jesus actually stayed. And this is the scene that we come on. In Luke 2, um, verse 46 to 49, it says, Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple. Can you imagine your parents looking for you for three days? Now you know in this day and time Somebody's getting a beating. (laughs) Somebody's getting a whooping. Whooping. Okay. Come on. And the Bible says that um, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Now, this is not the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. This is just him listening and asking questions. Okay. Okay. And all who heard him were astonished at his what? Understanding. At his what? Understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. His parents. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. This is an interesting Joseph doesn't say anything because he knew better. I ain't, ain't going to do nothing because this is, this is the son of God. You know, I'm about to get smacked by an angel if I do anything. And he said to them, why, now this is very interesting, why do you seek me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. You read this passage, this last part, you see something clearly. Jesus, at 12 years old, understood who he was. How do we know that? Because he said, do you not know that I must be about my father's business my what my father's business so he understood at 12 years old that he was the son of god and it's never too early to know who you are in christ it's never too too early to know your identity because it will make you strong in spirit jesus 12 years old his parents are gone he ain't. Work- three days they were looking for him. So he's chilling in Jerusalem for three days without his parents. Was he scared? Was he crying? Was he like, "Oh, I don't know what to do. Somebody help me"? No. The Bible says he was strong in spirit, and the grace of God was on him. And he's like, "Yo, I'm going to the temple. I'm gonna get something to eat. Yo, can y'all guys feed me? I'm 12. I can't. I don't got no money. Can y'all feed me?" <laughs> They're, oh, can I stay with you? All let right, me stay with you. They're like, whose kid are you? Oh, don't worry about it. They'll be here soon enough. Three days. Does, does your kid have an understanding at 12 years old? Are they strong enough where they could be without you for three days? And not be crying and whining? Oh, it's powerful. So this little passage tells me three things. You can write this down. Your identity should be established at a young age. You should be telling your kids who they are in Christ as early, as, as soon as they're born. Speak that into their life. Your kids should be saved by the time they're 12 years old. Oh, well, you know, is they, no, 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 no. They should be saved by the time they're 12 years old. They should know that they're children of God, that they're sons and daughters of God. Amen. The second thing, your identity and purpose are linked together. He says, do you not know... I should be, I should be about my father's business. In other words, he understood I have a purpose. I'm here about my daddy's business. All right? And then the third thing is parents should have a clear understanding of their child's purpose and destiny. Notice what Jesus said. He says, do you not know? In other words, he's saying, you God should know. You had an angel appear to you, mom, and tell you who I am. At my birth, you saw a host of angels show up and singing and praising and giving glory to God, saying, glory to God in the highest, peace and goodwill to men. My cousin John had an angel appear to his parents and told them, you're going to have a baby at your old age, and he's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah, of the Son of God. Y'all know that. Why at 12 years old, me sitting in the temple teaching, I mean, not teaching, um, asking and listening do you not understand what's going on? He challenged them on their said, You saw wise men come and bring me gold, frankincense, and myrrh at two years old and fall down and worship me. Why don't you understand what's going on? And there's a lot of you parents, I'm not trying to condemn you. Your kid is 12 years old and you don't know their purpose, you don't know their, their identity. You haven't established in their lives and you need to do it in Jesus' name. If you've missed the boat, repent and start doing it now. Amen. And those of you who are not parents yet or you have little, little kids, make sure you start talking to God. Lord, why were they born? Not what you want them to do. Not what you think makes the most money. No, why were they born? What purpose were they given before time began? What is the grace of God on their life for? And then also, you're gonna tell them their spiritual identity. Don't just tell them that they're black American or they're Haitian or they're Jamaican or whatever culture you are, they're Guyanese. Tell them that they are a child of God, that they're made in the image and likeness of God. That should be on repeat in your house. Amen. Because the world is gonna tell them who they are. And we wonder why we have so much transgenderism going on. Because the devil and demons have come. With their identity, talking about oh, I was, I I was I was born a, a female, but I feel like a man. I was assigned a male at birth, but I but I but I feel like a woman. Foolishness, devils. At least they're using the term my assigned birth. That is correct, actually. God assigned you this, and you can't change it. You can try all you want. You can cut everything off you want. Your chromosomes still stay male. Hello. You get all the muscles you want. Your chromosomes still stay female. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Bible says, in him we live, we move, and we have our being or our identity. Glory to God. Acts 17. Thank you, Jesus. So, parents, get into your kid's head. First of all, find out what the word says about your kid, and then begin to tell them who they are. All right. Number two, write this down. Understanding your identity is critical to the next season in your life. We're sitting right here in Luke 2. Watch this. I mean, Luke, Luke, just Luke, Luke 3. Now, Jesus has just turned 30, so now the Bible doesn't really tell you much about, tell you anything about Jesus' teenage life. It doesn't tell you nothing because it's not important. If it was, it would be there. And so, we're now, he's now an adult at 30. We don't even know about his 20s. You know, we don't know if he was going to the club. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you know, turning it out. Yeah, you know, I'm the son of God. What up, y'all? Oh. No, I'm joking. So he turns 30, and though he goes, you know, his cousin's been baptizing everybody. He, he shows up. John's like, whoa. And Jesus is ready to get baptized. I'm ready to do the ministry. I'm about to start. And at his baptism, something happens. Watch this. Luke 3, 21-22. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, oh my God, the power of prayer. While he prayed, the heaven was opened. If you look at the other um, Bible versions, I mean the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, all the rest of them, they don't say this that Luke says. Luke gives... Luke gives very intricate details on some things. And one of the things you'll notice a lot, he, he adds prayer. And so when Jesus was getting water baptized, he wasn't just like, yo, John, dunk me. No, this was a sacred moment. Jesus actually praying. And the Bible says the heavens are open. So what does that show me? You want the heavens open over your life? You want to see the glory of God? You want to see the power of God? You want to see the miraculous and the supernatural? You want to hear the voice of God clearly? Pray. You can't be listening to everything else, watching everything else, and hear from God so wonderfully. You got to pray. You got to get into the Spirit and pray. The devil, one of the biggest things devil and demons try to stop you from doing is praying. They want to keep you out of revival, they want to keep you out of the presence of God, they want to keep you out of miracles and signs and wonders because they know when you pray, supernatural things happen. And the Bible says while Jesus was praying, the heavens were opened. Amen. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. The other gospel say, this is my beloved son. But I like how Luke says it. It says, you are my beloved son. God the Father made it personal. God spoke about Jesus' identity before he began the ministry. And before you go into your next season of your life, you got to know who you are. Every season requires a review of your identity. Because if you don't know who you are, you're not going to be able to navigate that season well. Jesus is about to go into... Full time ministry. He's about to go into his miracle ministry. He's about to be casting demons out, slinging these demons everywhere, healing the sick, opening blind eyes, raising up the paralyzed, stopping epileptic seizures, opening deaf ears, casting out leaves of demons. Come on. And doing this not for five minutes, he's doing this for hours all night long. He's about to walk on water. He's about to be in a boat, and then as soon as they get into the boat, the boat goes from the middle of the sea to the shore. He's about to to raise the dead more than once. He's about to multiply food, literally. Come on. Twelve baskets full in one instance. Seven baskets full in another instance. Jesus is about to enter into some crazy stuff, and he has to be prepared by knowing who he is. Every one of us has seasons in our life. That's not one season. It's not one chapter. And every chapter requires you knowing who you are in Christ. What's very interesting, this is for free. You can send me a $1,000 offering if you want to, but it's for free. Every epistle, now epistles means letters written by the apostles after the book of Acts. So Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Titus, Jude, so on and so forth. And I looked it up. Because I had a revelation, but I took out my revelations. I didn't read it somewhere. I just had this revelation. I said, let me, let me investigate this is what I'm sensing by the Spirit. Every apostle, every epistle has something in it about the believer's identity. Every single, even the book of Jude. I checked Jude out. Jude, Jude has something. Every single one. Every single one. They either say beloved brethren or something else. But even the shortest book, even, th- even um, Philemon, one chapter has something about the believer's identity. That's a revelation by the Spirit. Every apostle understood that you, even James, James is a tough book. He's it and in believers. He said, stop laughing, start crying. <laughs> Strengthen those feeble knees. But even him, he talks about how we're called by that noble name. He calls beloved brethren. He has so many different things he says about the believer. Because your identity is crucial to God, defined by God, established by God. Amen. And it's important for you to know who you are as you enter the different seasons of your life. Amen. Praise God. Come on, Jesus. That leads me to number three. Your identity is established by God himself. Your mind should be preoccupied with what God has said about you, not what somebody else said about you. So Jesus is now going to ministry, hearing from his father in heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know how that must feel? I'm about to go into this crazy world. I'm about to go among wolves, but I have my father's acceptance, his approval, and his blessing. All my life. And his spirit has come upon me to empower me. Yo, I'm the man. I'm all that. So he went into ministry empowered. He went in ministry ready for the challenges and displayed the glory of God because he understood who he was. He receives the father's opinion for himself. I love something um, Pastor Bill Johnson of Bethel Church in Reading, California says. It's a, very, it's a quote he says often. He says, I can't afford to have thoughts in my head about me that God doesn't have in his. I'm going to say that again. I can't afford to have thoughts in my head about me that God doesn't have in his. In other words, you need to have the mind of Christ. Christ knew who he was because he heard what his father said. And he defined himself by what his father said, not what somebody else said. Remember that time he came to disciples? He said, I know everybody talking about me. What they saying, y'all? They said, some saying you Elijah, some saying you this, some saying you that. He said, okay, I know. But what's important is what you're thinking. So who do you say that I am? And then, Peter, Pulsive one, says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, all right, yeah. He said, flesh and blood. No human being has revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. You know what that means? God is the one who is the progenitor of your identity. God is the one who is the source of who you are. Not your mama, not your daddy, not your cousin, not your aunt, not your grandparents, not your culture, not your neighborhood. Oh, I'm from this neighborhood. We Crips, huh? We blood, son. The blood of Jesus. You better be born again. <laughs> Come on up in here. Who does God say that you are? It comes by revelation from him. And when you're establishing who God has said about, God has said about you and who you are, you're going to have a revival of identity. Ooh, yes. You're going to be Shouting, you're going to be praising God. You're going to be like David who said, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He began to praise God for who he was. When's was the last time you praised God for who you were? You won't praise God for who you are if you don't have a revelation and understand your identity. You've got to understand your identity. So how do I do that, Pastor Reese? Listen, you got to go through the scriptures that tell us about who you are. You got to do what I did when I was a a new believer. I went through those scriptures. I took Kenneth Hagin's in-him book, found out all the scriptures about who I am in Christ, and I began to confess it. I began to review it. I began to meditate upon it. And it literally shattered every low self-esteem that was in my soul. Yes, some of you know this. Some of you don't know this. I had low self-esteem as a young boy growing up. I wanted to be lighter. I wanted to have a smaller nose. I wanted to have bigger eyes. You know, the Michael Jackson syndrome. When I got born again, Jesus literally wiped it away. Because I found out who I was in Christ. That idolatrous false image was shattered by the word of God. By the thoughts of heaven. And when you have heaven's thoughts about you, it will shatter every demonic thought that has been implanted in your mind. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Come on. I can't afford to have thoughts in my head about me that God doesn't have in his. Number four. And this is it. This is the last one. Yeah, this is the last point. Amen. Moving fast, right? Understanding your identity will give you victory over the devil. One of the things the devil will do is challenge you on your identity. He hates for you to know who you are in Christ because he knows how powerful it makes you. Watch this. This is the temptation of Jesus. And one of the things the devil will do, he will either try to tell you that you're not what God has said or he will try to push you past what God has said about you. Those are the two things he tries to do. To tell you, you ain't nothing. You ain't crap. Well, he'll try to push you past it. Yeah, you, you, more, you better than that. You all that. The pride of life. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. God knows if you eat this, you're you going to be like it, you're going to know everything. Nah, trick. So watch this Luke 4, three thirteen. And the devil said, and the what? And the devil what? For all of you who don't think the devil speaks, he does. If he spoke to Jesus, he's speaking to Christians, he's speaking to your kids, he's speaking to you. Oh, ain't no devil out there. Oh, yes, he's out there. You think this pandemic just happened because, oh, it's the virus is floating around the universe and wanted to come upon us? Dumb, dumb? No, stop. <laughs> and the devil said to him, if you are the son of God... Now, why is this so critical? Because remember, Jesus has just got water baptized. And what did he hear from heaven? You are my what? Beloved son in whom I'm what? Well, please. So now the Bible says he's led by the the Holy Spirit into, into the wilderness. He gotta be tested, everybody has to be tested. And then Satan comes and says, if you are the son of God, isn't it the same thing he did with Adam and Eve? He said, has God said? That's what Satan wants you to to do. Question God's word. Question the integrity of his mouth. Because he knows you have to live out of it to be victorious. If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, because he doesn't stop at the first round, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kings of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. Little theology, when was it delivered to him? In the garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned they turned the least of the earth over to the devil and they for example to me and I will and I give it to whomever I wish therefore if you will worship before me all will be yours that's why you see sinners wealthy people who worship the devil sometimes they get wealth sometimes that's one of the things that not all the time satan does that for a lot of people he gives them wealth he gives them riches and then he tries to uh, make the Christians poor. That's why you can't believe that anti-prosperity message. God wants his people to prosper. God has a covenant of prosperity for all his people. Come on. The, rest of the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and those who dwell therein. But Satan rules over the world system, how it operates. That's why you have the 1%, got a whole bunch of money, and got millions of people poor. That's the devil. You go to countries where millions of resources, billions of resources, and the people living in poverty, but yet the little leaders are living in abject in great wealth. That's the devil. That's why you have to pray for your nation, pray for your community, pray for your city, pray for your state, and keep the devil out as much as possible. Amen? Okay, so... Jesus says, and Jesus answered and said to him, second time, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. You notice Jesus was not screaming and yelling, ah, leave me, alone, leave me, alone, leave me alone, he wasn't doing that. He said, it is written. Too many of you, when you're being tempted, you're in your mind saying, oh, I wish this guy would stop bothering me. Or you turn on TV to try to change the, no, that's not sending the temptation away. Netflix ain't doing it. Neither is Hulu. (laughs) The Word is the only thing that will stop the devil. You can call your girlfriend all day. The temptation will still be there when you finish the phone call. You can eat yourself dumb. When the the ice cream is finished, the temptation will still be there. The only thing that the devil understands is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I don't know the Bible. Well, you need to open that book, open your little app, find a script that applies to what you're dealing with, and quote it to the devil. Say, hello, Mr. Devil, I have something to quote to you. Pastor Marie said to quote this to you. (laughs) You're going to be like, what? All right. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, here we go again, third time. If you are the son of God. So you see, he's trying to push him now past his identity. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give. Now he's trying to quote the word. The devil can try to quote the scriptures, but he's quoting it wrong. He said, oh, the Bible says he gives you a charge over you. Keep you, keep you and in their hands, it shall bear you up. It does say that. Lest you dash your foot against the stone. So just throw yourself off, they're going to catch you. Dumb. We ain't stupid, dumb devil. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he, what? Departed from him until a more opportune time. What does that mean? That means literally, if you study the Greek of this, that means Jesus killed him. He bodied the devil in that temptation and the devil departed, which the devil's going to do with you. But then he said, "It says he 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 went away for more opportunity." In other words, the um, the Greek shows that basically he stepped aside, and then he's like watching for another opportunity to get Jesus. Satan is always lurking, trying to get you. That, that that that's what the Bible says: be sober, be vigilant, because you're. Adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Because he may not devour everybody, but he's going to devour the people who are not alert. Who don't understand their identity. Who's not in the word. Who's not praying. Who's not running after God. Who's not praising God for who they are in Christ. That's who the devil's coming after. That's so why you gotta strengthen your brothers and your sisters who are weak. Say, so get in this word. Get this, get this, get this uh, milk. if they're more mature, get this meat. Pause. <laughs> Those of you don't don't worry about it you don't know what I'm talking about. Everybody here is laughing. They know what I'm talking about. Those of you... <laughs> Ah, Jesus, what I want to do with you, Maurice? (laughs) Jeff, I know you you crack it up. Anyway. (laughs) Get that word in you. Amen. And here's the goal. Luke 4, 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. God the Father want you to walk in power you're only going to walk in power when you understand who you are in christ amen amen Amen. praise god jesus we thank you for this incredible word or introduction into what you're going to be talking to us about over the next few weeks we're just ready lord for what you're saying to us by your spirit We're going to make a commitment to understand who we are in Christ. I know how it benefited me in my young teenage life, how it shattered low self-esteem and built my confidence to this great place because I found out who I was. And you're going to find out who you are. Under this ministry, you're going to know who you are in Jesus' name. Someone had a dream about me, and I mentioned this to you, and um, they saw me walking around my complex. I live in a co-op and it has a big land, like 110 acres. They saw me walking around, and said I was dressed up. And I, looked, I walked around so confidently. And then boom, they were just watching me and the dream was over. And I knew the Lord was telling them, I want you to be like Pastor Maurice. I want you to be confident like him. I want you to walk with your head up like him. But the only reason why I'm confident, the only reason why I walk with my head up is because I understand, I know, I have clarity of who I am in Christ Jesus. And when you know that same thing, you're going to walk with your head up. You're going to walk with confidence. You won't be arrogant, but you're going to be confident in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have low self-esteem and you're watching me, I cancel that low self-esteem in your life. In the name of Jesus and I declare to you that you're gonna have an incredible self-image you're gonna have incredible self-worth Jesus is building up your image I want you to watch these messages over the next few weeks and you're gonna shatter every ounce of low self-image every ounce of low self-esteem if you have friends you have family members children or you yourself need to be built up in this area make sure you're watching tell them to tune in every Sunday at 11 and we're going to give you this work and you're going to be strong in the Lord and in the image that he created you in in Jesus' name amen hallelujah hallelujah I give you praise in the name of Jesus if there's someone watching and your eyes have been blurry I say be healed be healed In the name of Jesus, I command the blurriness to go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, touch your eyes if you're experiencing blurriness and say, Go now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody, you're experiencing any kind of uh, uh, pain in, in your back in the midsection, be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe it feels tight. We feel a thumping pain. Be healed, be released in Jesus' name to the glory of God. Anybody, you have um, heart palpitations, touch your heart and say, I command my heart to beat normally in the name of the Lord Jesus. Go ahead, touch your heart. Jesus is touching you now. Your heart is being healed. Your heart is being normalized by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you for your healing virtue. We thank you for the healing anointing in the name of Jesus. I give you the glory. I give you the honor in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, we thank you, Lord. Is anything else you have going on? I command you, be healed in Jesus' name. Be set free from your affliction in the name of Jesus. If you're watching and you haven't given your life to Christ, I want you to say yes to Jesus. You know, I went to see Pastor Patrick in the hospital. By the way, praise God, he's home. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's recovering. He was in a lot of pain, but Jesus is taking the pain away. But as soon as I walked in, the second time I went to go see him, um, immediately he said, Pastor, go talk to this kid. And this kid had gotten shot in his foot, shot in his knee, no, shot in his, in his knee area, shot in his hand, and shot in his side. I don't know him. I just walked in. I didn't, even barely, I didn't even say, Bailey, hi, Pastor Patrick, and he threw me over there. But I know why he did it, because I have been praying to the Lord, I want to lead people to Christ. Give me opportunities by your grace to lead you to Christ. So before I went on vacation, I told you, I led my 94-year-old neighbor to Christ. Then this kid. He's there with his baby mama, young man. I'm like, bro, you look such like a good kid. I don't know how he got into it. It wasn't my concern. My concern was, was he saved. He told me, oh, yeah, when I was 11, I got water baptized. But I said, did you ever receive Christ and receive the forgiveness of sins? And the answer was no. And I said, I'm going to leave you in the prayer of salvation, and you're going to get saved. Because I said, if you would have died from this thing, you would have went to hell. Yeah, I said it straight. I didn't even know that guy he was looking like, whoa, you would have went to hell. But God had mercy on you, and now is your time of salvation. So I asked his girlfriend, do you want to pray with us? She said, well, I'm Catholic. I said, I don't care if you're Catholic. You can be born again a Catholic. I said, you ever heard of born again Catholic? She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, take my hand. And we said the prayer of salvation. I took them from death. Well, Jesus took them from death to life in a moment. Born again. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, you can clap for that. Thank you, Jesus. Two people born again. There's more coming in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And so if you're watching, you're not born again. This is your time. Say, Jesus, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to die without you. So I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. I receive your forgiveness for my sins. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Open your mouth, say it. I believe that God raised you from the dead. You are now my Lord and Savior. I receive your identity. In Jesus' name, I'm a child of God. I've just been born again. I'm on my way to heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's done, guys. It's done, it's done, it's done. Jesus said it is finished. And when he said it, he meant it. Listen, this is awesome. This is just the beginning. It's like a little foundation, a little appetizer for what's coming. We're entering this revival of identity, and I'm excited about it. But right now, it's time to give. Listen, it takes money to do ministry. It takes money to bring this word to you, to bring this worship to you, to get this work It takes money. And so I want to encourage you to be a tither, to be a giver, if you have not been. And I want to thank all of you who have been tithing, who have been given this whole year and a half of not actually meeting together, but you believe in the ministry. The Lord is moving on your heart, and you have been generous, and you have been faithful. Kudos to you glory to God the Bible says the faithful man shall abound with blessings and you are increasing already I know some of you have some great testimonies and more testimonies are coming and those of you who have not been generous you've not been consistent you've not been faithful you've been lazy your giving oh I'll give later oh, I'll give later listen Jesus ain't cool with that be consistent it takes ministry ministry ain't stopping come on somebody And I know you want to be blessed, and I know you want to be obedient, and I know you want to honor the Lord every day of your life. So come on and give.